Hi, this is Joyce Logan with Good Gospel Gossip. Many of you currently watch the Gospel International channel on Roku and Fire Stick. You're getting to know some pretty important people and you're hearing some great music releases. In this edition, I'd like to share one of the live interviews shared on our channels. As host, Tammy Padilla talks candidly with recording artist Ben Tankard. you to take a moment, a little segment of this concert. He is the godfather of gospel jazz. Release from Amazon. Thank the Lord. Gospel is the passenger, but jazz is the vehicle. Uh, that's why we merged the two genres and call it gospel jazz. Dr. Jones knows this because he has been able to go as an international ambassador of our country all over the world and take gospel music. But this C, and Brother Derek knows this, this C, this is a secular R&B, rock and roll, hip hop, unsaved, drug smoking, prostituting C. But here's a saved, sanctified, five baptized got a mind to go on. Pray my strength in the Lord that I be one of the sons he's calling in these last and evil days. See. It's the same note. My, my point is this. This is the person that is in charge of tool that determines the use of said tool. Now, this is a, we're in a church and you guys are saved. Those of you who are watching at home, you're probably saved too. But just touch your clothes. Touch your clothes. Okay, that, that, that outfit that you have on, there's somebody in the world right now that has an outfit on just like that, and they are committing a crime in it. But because you have it on, it's a sanctified outfit. So it is a person that is in charge of the two. So I simply just took gospel, uh, um, the, the, the jazz chords, the funk that we play, Dr. Jones has done it well when he'll take a Marvin Gaye song, and we're going to do a Marvin Gaye song later on in, in, in the event, but he had the nerve with his saved self to get on his show and sing uh, what's going on, Marvin Gaye, and turn it out. People got saved and healed and delivered and uh, encouraged on a secular song. And why? Because music was created in heaven. It wasn't created in radio stations. So we're just the repo men that are repossessing what was God's music from the get-go. And so gospel is the passenger and jazz is the vehicle. That being said, we're going to go into worship right now. And this will be worship like you have maybe never heard before. Repo men, repossessing what God has given us. So I am excited. The world-renowned instrumentalist, instrumentalist Ben Tankard. <laughs> I need you to go on the road with me. To well, you know, come on. <laughs> to do my introduction every night, girl. You got that thing. God we can make that happen. <laughs> I've been enjoying you guys. Uh, so glad that you and your husband and your team open it up for me to come chat with you guys tonight. I'm so proud of you all, Sister Tammy. So thank you all for allowing me to chat with you all on tonight. Happy Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are excited to have you. Um, I already told the people you are funny. So, you know, we, we, uh, we're expecting to laugh tonight and have a good time. Uh, we will uh, get started because you know how fast time runs out and there's so much I want people to know about you. So let's start out, first of all, talking about Little Ben. When you were growing up, let's talk about what Little Ben was like. Well, I'm six foot six now, but I haven't always been big. I, I, well, I did used to be Little Ben. In fact, when I was three years old, I was uh, beating on my mom's pots and pans and made my own little drum set. So I've been a musician for years. Uh, I was a tuba player in the band as well. In fact, uh, I was the number two tuba player in the nation uh, my senior year in high school. And I had 30 scholarship offers 
to go to University of Florida, University of Pittsburgh. A lot of places wanted me to come play tuba in their symphony orchestra. But you have to understand, Sister Tammy, I, I'm born and raised in poverty, and I'm Ooh. six foot six inches tall. So I also played basketball. So I had 30 scholarship offers for basketball too. So, you know, I asked my folks, I said, which one should I take? You know, the music or the bands or the basketball scholarship? I wanted to take the music because I really love the music. But my okay. folks said, son, you black, you tall, we're poor, play ball. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you went to play ball, right? You, you, you were even drafted, you were... Yeah, I, made, I went to college on a scholarship. I dropped mm -hmm. out of college after just one year and went pro, played in Canada for a while, and then I was invited to the Portland Trailblazers. So if I can just get through this rookie camp, I'm going to be the guy coming off the bench behind Clyde the Glide Drexler. So I would be that guy on the bench, believing God that Clyde gets hurt. <laughs> Real talk. That's real. That's real. <laughs> but, but what happened was I got hurt. You know, I I, I got hurt in camp, you know, so uh, I got hurt before the season even starts. So I make the team and, and here I am with these dreams and uh, it goes up in smoke with the pop of a knee, a knee injury. And uh, they cut me from the team because they had many other people that they could walk on and they could <laughs> replace me for no problem because I wasn't highly recruited. I just... You know, I just barely got in there. It was just a blessing to be a part of the team. Wow. And so, they cut me. And so you can imagine how depressed I was having mm -hmm. been cut from um, a pro basketball team. And uh, so that, that being cut is what uh, really defined my purpose in life because I was so discouraged and poor. You know, the lights was off, the gas was off. Artificial flowers were... <laughs> I got some for my graduation. I know. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, I went to church. I went to church. It was a revival service going on. It was a two or three week revival service that was going on at the Sanctified Church, at the Church of God in Christ, the Pentecostal oh. Church. Okay. And church during a revival, they're going to have pound cake and chicken. <laughs> you that better the, bet. That was the first combo. Pound right. cake and so I said, hmm, if, if I go to this revival service and it's going to last two or three weeks, that's at least two or three weeks I'm guaranteed at least one meal a day because the food was free. So I went trying to be smart. I went for the chicken and messed around and got saved. Come on here now. Going oh. after that chicken, the oh. Holy Ghost. That's, that's, a, that's a Holy Ghost chicken. Come oh. on. <laughs> and so. and I saved, and um, the minister prayed for my hands and prayed for my head and told me to sit down to the piano. And I had never played piano before. I played tuba and <laughs> basketball. And I, I put my hands on the keys and I began to play the first time. Just like you hear me play on my CDs. It's a jazzy gift, but I'm in a Pentecostal church playing it, and it feels like I know what I'm doing. Like God just added a whole dimension to my mind where I knew what I was playing. Wow, you had a matrix moment. Like it just downloaded, huh? Exactly. It was discerned. It wasn't learned. So I preach this all the time. Discernment is way faster than education. <laughs> Wow. You know, I, I, I have a girlfriend. She'll probably say, where is that piano at? Where is that piano? <laughs> Let me get on that piano. <laughs> that is phenomenal. But that's our God, right? Yep. I mean, we, we put him the in the box. That's the, beginning, that's the beginning of my faith walk because, you know, having never played piano before to all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm playing like a professional jazz musician. I'm sounding like Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea, George Duke, Ramsey Lewis. I'm sounding like, uh, you know, Monk and Ellington. And I never heard of these guys before. So it's almost like when the disciples went up into the upper room on, on the day of Pentecost and they all began to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And they started speaking in other tongues. 
It wasn't unknown tongues, it was other tongues because there was a lot of other people from around the world that was at this conference mm -hmm. and they heard their language being spoken. And so the same thing happened to me when I began to play this jazz music that I never was taught. Mm -hmm. People began to reach out to me later on when I was recording and say, and uh, like the University of Ber Berkeley, they called and said, we want you to come be a summer professor so you can teach our uh, music major students how to interpret Monk and Ellington. And I'm like, who are they? <laughs> so they recognized their tongue. They recognized that sound. So I was playing in tongues. I was playing in other tongues. So, um, but back in the 80s, late 80s, when I started playing, I'm playing instrumental contemporary type jazz. Churches wasn't having it. So the churches wouldn't hire me because they said I was too jazzy. And uh, the, the jazz clubs and stuff, they wouldn't hire me because they said I was too gospel. So wow. for a reason, when God uh, gave me this gift, I kind of thought it was a curse because nobody seemed to like it but me. Um, so I had to get a job to keep food on the table. So I, I moved back to Tallahassee, Florida. I was born in Florida. So uh, rather than go back to Alabama uh, after I left the NBA, I went to, to Florida and I took a job as a dog catcher, Tammy. Yes. What? World renowned Ben Tankard. Yes. Grammy Award, Stella Award, Ben Tankard. Yeah, reality TV dad, Ben Tankard. Yes, he did used to be a dog catcher. A dog catcher for five years. A dog catcher with a jerry curl. <laughs> we needed a picture of that. That's, that's, that's what I needed to ask for, that picture. <laughs> and I wasn't even that good a dog catcher. They wow. gave me a badge that said animal patrol officer. So it was my job to patrol the city for eight hours a day and at the end of my shift bring 12 dogs that I caught back to the dog pound. They said if you don't catch 12 dogs and bring 12 dogs back to the dog pound you probably somewhere goofing off because this city is full of dogs. And so I wasn't even good at that, Tammy. It's four o'clock in the evening. I get off at five or six. I only got four dogs in the truck. That's oh, when my faith began to start being developed because I got to believe God for more dogs. Bring me a dog, Jesus. They dog stole. Somebody, somebody about to get their dog stole. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you're catching dogs. How did you get into playing, like being paid to play, play for music? That's a good question. I'm catching dogs by day, but there's a song in my heart. And so I, I, I would go into this music store that sold pianos and organs mm -hmm. and uh, on my lunch break. And okay. I didn't have the money to buy the pianos, but it don't cost anything to test drive, right? So I go in and I start playing around on these people pianos and I got my dog catching uniform on because this is yeah. So I'm inside the, key the store playing keyboard, dog catching uniform on, truck parked outside, got two or three dogs in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm on my lunch break playing. And then there's somebody in the store with money that's actually shopping to buy a piano. Mm -hmm. And she hears me playing. So she tells the store owner, hey, I'll buy the $65,000 piano that the dog catcher is playing. I like the way it sounds. Uh-huh. And so this happened over and over again. I would come in the next day, different piano, same dog catcher. I'd be playing different customer. Hey, I like what he's playing. I'll buy the keyboard that the dog catcher is playing. And this happened over and over and over. People would gather around because they were mesmerized with my sound. Customers would be like, it like a little mini concert. Wow. And so my music, the, the, the uh, music owner came over to me one day and said, Ben, I don't even know why you are catching dogs. Uh, how much do you get paid to catch dogs? I said, well, I, I get $980 a month as a dog catcher two. Now dog catcher one got paid more money, but you had to bring 20 dogs back at the end of the day instead of 12. That's, that's too much pressure. I was a dog catcher too. <laughs> 
I wanted the extra dollar nineteen cent an hour, but I didn't want the pressure of twenty dollars. Right, right. He's like, no, I'm, I'm staying two. It's level I'm, two. Don't catch a two, please. Thank you. And so uh, 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 he said, nine hundred and eighty dollars a month. You get paid to catch dogs. He said, how much would I need to pay you? For you to just come in here and play the piano eight hours a day for me as a keyboard demonstrator, how much I need to pay you for that? I said, "Are you kidding? Nine seventy nine ninety nine to do what I love." He had me on the spot to become wow. a keyboard demonstrator, Sister Tammy. I didn't even go back to the dog pound to quit. I called him on the phone. I said, "This tank." I quit. I'm going to mail you your uniform. You might want to come get your dog truck. It's outside there. It got four puppies in it. How? <laughs> you, you did a fun time. Take, take mama. I ain't coming home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And wow. So, so God working behind the scenes because now it's another step toward my destiny. Now mm -hmm. I'm getting paid to practice songs in front of customers Ever. and write songs that you get to hear on my records today. It was God working behind the scenes. Plus, I was able to purchase equipment with my 50% off employee discount. So I was able to build a home studio while I'm playing eight hours a day doing something that I would have done for free. Wow. And when I got my studio built, I, rec I recorded my first full cassette with eight songs on it and I called it all keyed up and I printed up 500 copies and I caught the Greyhound bus to Memphis, Tennessee to the National Church of God in Christ convention and I got a little table and I set up outside where they sell all this, the books and CDs and music and I was set up right beside the Clark sisters table and I was out selling the Clark sisters 10 to 1 because I put my little tape on with my boom box and I was playing the song that I wrote out that I recorded called What Is This by the Hawkins Singers. Totally instrumental. And mm -hmm. so I'm there pushing myself. The cover only has some keys on it. There's no cover, there's no picture of me on the cover. So I'm right. able to advertise myself without them knowing it's Ben Tanker. So I'm holding up the cassette saying, Ooh, y'all need to get this Ben Tanker. You ain't got Ben Tanker? Whoa, you need to check this out. Boy, you need to get this new pen taken. Boy, you ain't got been taken. They ain't even know I was been taken. <laughs> Somebody need to take that as a key to learn. <laughs> Listen to what he did. Listen to it. I love it. And so they found so Maddie Moss Clark found out that there's this young guy that had an instrumental tape that was out there on the tape table in the in the arena outselling her daughters. So she sent for me, Madame Moss Clark. She wanted to know who this was that was outselling the Clark sisters. And so uh -huh. the Clark sisters are, had heard about me and they liked me. So they talked their mom into meeting with me and putting me on the midnight musical of the stars. Cause you got Douglas Miller, you got Timothy Wright, you got um, uh, the, the Clark sisters, you got all those people, you know, and so, uh, um, uh, Maddie Moss said, son, uh, I'm going to put you on this program tonight. Don't you make me shame. Don't you get up there and do no blues. Don't do no blues. Do something then gospel. how old were you then? How, how old were you? I was 22 years old. Wow. 22 years old. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I got up down there and played What Is This? People, people loved it. I outsold all 500 of those uh, cassette tapes within the next day and a half and there was a executive from Nashville um, mm -hmm. uh, that was at the Memphis meeting from a record company and he heard about me contacted me next thing I know they are relocating me from Tallahassee Florida to Nashville the only thing I knew about Nashville was this show called Hee Haw that's the only thing I had ever heard about Nashville I didn't know what Nashville all I heard was Hee Haw that's all I knew about Nashville and so, so they, this company contacted me and said, we are a white company that has white gospel music and we got some money and we want to do some black gospel and we need somebody to be the president of that black label and we need somebody that's an expert in the black market. I said, you got the right one because I've been black all my life. <laughs> and off you went. <laughs> 
So they relocated me to Nashville. They made me the president of a new black division. I'm making all the rules as I go. I, I know nothing about marketing. I know nothing about um, running a record label. All I know is I did this tape in my garage. Somebody heard it. They sold out at the convention. Next thing I know, they're moving me to Nashville. And so they said, here's a million dollar budget. We want you to go discover some gospel artists and you have three years to make this million dollars back for us to justify this new label. And I and the first artist I discovered was Yolanda Adams. Really? I produced 40 songs on Yolanda. I worked with Yolanda. I worked with the Hawkins family. I worked with some members of the Winans family and Take Six. And we made that million dollars back in six months. It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, and that's for ever since, you know, and that's that's how I got my start in music. But it came through catching dogs and having a broke knee in basketball and some chicken that God sent to a church on a revival service. I know it's a, a, a long story for a short story, you know. But you know what? You are speaking to, to the power of God, right? I, I said earlier, we tend to put him in a box, but you have shown how he, the Matrix is a movie, but he, he downloaded some stuff to you and usable instantly. Yeah, and you know, and I'll tell people all the time, just to tell me that don't, Despise your dog catcher beginnings. <laughs> don't don't despise your dog catcher stage. Don't 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 despise your NBA stage. What I mean by NBA stage? NBA means you're chasing after something just for the money, but you're really not called to it. Mm. You're working on a job that if you had a million dollars in the bank, you would not be even checking into this job. You only here for the money. It's not the NBA doesn't have a basketball attached to it, but it's the NBA to you because you're doing something just for the money. That's what I was doing it for. My my heart was with music. I was just chasing the basketball to get my folks out of the hood. You know, oh, and so yeah. don't despise the NBA stage. That it has its purpose. Don't despise. The uh, dog catcher stage. Don't despise the music store stage because it's all a setup for the big stage with the gold record. Now I got 15 gold records, six platinum records on the wall. I got homes in four states, nine cars, and two airplanes, Grammy Stellar, all this stuff. And it all came from a dog catcher that was singing a song at night. Wow. So you, you said something that I, I, I want to touch upon. Airplanes. You, you you own an airplane? I own two. And I'm a pilot, and I fly my airplanes to my concerts. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. How mm -hmm. did that come about? Well, my schedule outgrew my tour bus. When I moved to Nashville, my people started calling me, wanted me to come do concerts. You have to understand, you know, as an instrumental artist, I don't intimidate anybody. So you can have me on a gospel concert and you can have Yolanda Adams and and you can have um, Fred Hammond and then you can put Ben Tankard in between the two singers just so the people can have a little, uh, uh, you know, have a break with their ears. It's, it's no competition. You know, it kind of links those two together. And then I can go into a jazz arena I could be in a church one night and I can be in a jazz club or out on the lawn with 50,000 people at a jazz festival the next day. Same music, you know, and I don't have to change anything. So I, I had a double schedule. I had people calling from every arena and I couldn't get to my concerts just by getting on the tour bus. And then when I tried to fly American and Delta and all those places, um, they wasn't flying my schedule. So somebody said, you need to do what Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith are doing. They fly their own airplanes. And so I began to take lessons in, in an effort to believe God for a plane. And uh, now, you know, 20 years later, I have owned and operated and bought and sold over 30 airplanes. Wow. That is awesome. I well, congratulations and, and thank you for just moving out to do what you have to do, handle your business, because that's what you were doing. You was like, we, we're going to go ahead and get this plane. I'm going to learn how to fly. But I heard that you have a Kirk Franklin story. Oh, my goodness. Can, can you tell us about Kirk, you and Kirk Franklin? Well, uh, my, I've got a, a new record out called Shine. Mm -hmm. And I called the record Shine because 
the record before this one was called Rise. And so uh, my parents used to come into uh, the house and they would, I mean, in the room every morning when I got ready for school. And they'd say, all right, we'll take it's time for y'all to get up and rise and shine. And so I decided to name this record Shine. And I put some songs on it um, that I really like. I did a remake of Marvin Gaye's Just Like Music. And I always loved the song that Kirk Franklin did called Melodies from Heaven. But you have to understand the history that I have with um, Kirk Franklin. This, is, this song is a salute. It is a salute to Kirk Franklin. Back when I was working with Yolanda Adams in the late 80s, we took off really fast. You know, um, that the battle is the Lord, just to pray away, let us worship him. I mean, we were just cranking out the hits. So we became overnight sensations in the gospel arena. Her as a singer, me as a producer, writer. And so we would make appearances at different places like the James Cleveland Convention. And I'm at the James Cleveland Convention, I'll never forget it. And uh, back in 1991, I believe, and um, people are just lining up trying to get to me and Yolanda. And then there was this younger Kirk Franklin that came up to me and Kirk was just so hyped. You know, he's always hyped. But this night, it was almost like this guy had drunk a six pack of five hour energy drink. <laughs> Lots of energy. <laughs> That's not He's already hyped now, but we're talking about 30 years ago. You can imagine even more energy. And uh, he was undiscovered, unrecorded, and he came up to me and he had a little boombox and he said, Ben Tanker, Ben Tanker, Ben Tanker, man, you got to hear this. Ben Tanker, you got to hear this. I got stuff for you, Ben Tanker. You need to sign me, Ben Tanker. Check this out. And I'm like, Kirk, we got a full label. You know, we don't have the space. No, no, man, you got to. And he was just so persistent. So I said, okay, come over to the corner. So he came over to the corner. You got to understand, this the commission. Uh, uh, the Winans, Albertina Walker, we're at the James Cleveland Convention, the who's who is walking around, right? So I'm in the corner with this no name, with a boombox, and it's so loud in here, and I'm trying to hear this boombox, and he cuts it on, and cuts it loud, and puts it to my ear, and um, here comes this song. It's him saying, someone asked a question, and then the choir goes, someone asked the question, why do we sing, choir? Why do we sing? And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, Wow, Kurt, that is that is a really nice song. Do you have the version of just the choir singing? Because obviously, this is a rehearsal tape, and you're just showing the choir what to sing. So can I hear the real version so I can take it back to my people? And he goes, no, this is what I'm pushing. First I sing it, then they sing it. Ain't nobody doing it like this. First I do it, then they do it. First I sing it, then I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, first I do it, then they do it. First I do it, then they do it. Yeah, put that out for me. Put this out. I'm like, Kurt, I don't think nobody's going to buy that. I just don't. I am just not feeling that for my label at this time. So you don't call us, we'll call you. So I'm part of Kurt Franklin's early rejection years yeah. <laughs> and, and you know that you know that it takes a certain amount of rejection to give you hard skin so you can push through obstacles in life and come this and to become the success that God called you to be so it's because of me <laughs> it's because of me <laughs> rejecting Kurt Franklin that he is the great artist that he is today 20 million records later. Now, that's what I tell myself to feel better. <laughs> okay, well, you know, add him and let him be be great as a part of your segment. Let's, let's listen to your tribute to Kirk. Oh, <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> what did Kirk Franklin say when he heard your <laughs> tribute to him? Well, you know, I, I'm still waiting to hear, I hope he likes it. I'm still waiting to hear from him. I, I don't know if he's heard it yet. It just came no. And it's come, of course, they approved it, approved, they gave us permission to do it over, but um, I still haven't heard from Kirk. And whenever I see Kirk, he really won't let me forget about the fact that he went on to sell 20 million albums after I turned him down. <laughs> you know, what, what, can, what can he say, but, you know, remind you of the fact <laughs> that you were the one to help push him and <laughs> get that tough skin. <laughs> I love it. So you have done so many things. I don't know that people know that you're a pastor. And so I want to talk about you making that transition from being this world-renowned instrumentalist that are is now flying yourself to these different uh, engagements. How did you make that transition into being a pastor? What, how, how did that happen for you? Uh, such a good question, uh, Sister Tammy. And uh, uh, let me say this. It wasn't because I grew up wanting to be a pastor because, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in an environment where my parents, my parents were ministers. And my parents actually believed that the poorer you were, the closer you were to God. They subscribed to that religion that church folks wasn't supposed to have nothing. And so I ran from that because I was tired of being hungry. I like to eat. <laughs> I certainly don't want to be a pastor of this hungry crowd. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So it wasn't something that I picked out of a lineup. It wasn't something that I, it was intentional. Uh, but what happened was when, what had happened was <laughs> when I began to do concerts as an instrumentalist, I learned very fast that if you don't have anything to say in between the songs, if you don't have something funny to say to set up the next song, if you just come into a place and play as an instrumentalist, you are just a backdrop for people to talk, especially if there's food around, if it's a, if it's a festival or, or if it's a, a, a banquet or something and there's food nearby, you can't compete with food. So, so I learned really quick in my music career as an instrumentalist that I've got to be witty. I've got to say things funny. I've got to catch their attention. I've got to, I can't just do original music. I got to take songs that people already know and love. And when I start playing it, people can go, oh, yeah, that was my favorite song back in the day. You had to be smart to be able to capture the audience. And I found that when I was doing my testimonies and telling stories and encouraging people and putting the scripture in, they started booking me and they would say things like, you can come and do your music, but make sure you spend 15 minutes and preach to us, too. And they started booking me. More so, or just as much for speaking as the music was. And so um, I decided, when my wife and I decided to start a Bible study here in Tennessee in my hometown, Murfreesboro, right outside of Nashville, because many people would see the home that we lived in and see that I was a pilot, flying airplanes, nice cars. And so they would say, hey, man, how do you live that life that you live? Man, I want some of that. Well, you know, how, how are you so successful? So I said, hey, why don't you come over to the house on Thursday night? We're going to have a Bible study for entrepreneurs. So they covered over, they were thinking they was going to get some tips on how to get rich. And they'd come in and mess around and hear about Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Bible study that grew to 40 people in no time in my living room of my mansion. And so uh, my wife said, honey, you know, you say this is a Bible study. But this is not really a Bible study. This is, this, this is a church. And so I said, honey, you know, what are you trying to say? She said, what I'm really trying to say is that's too many people using my bathroom. Jesus, y'all got to get a building. <laughs> so she kicked me Jesus out. <laughs> she kicked me Jesus out. 
and we had to rent a building, and that's how Destiny Center was born. And so we're in the third building now because we kept outgrowing the buildings, and uh, we're almost 20 years old. So there you have it. Wow, that's awesome. So Days and Sundays, and then uh, I go out and do my concerts uh, in between those days. And because I have the airplane, I can go out and do a concert on Tuesday, come right back. Being Bible study on Wednesday, I can go out and do a concert on Thursday, come right back. Go out and do a concert on Friday, come right back. Go out and do a concert Saturday, come right back. I can do two or three concerts a week, 10 a month, 120 a year. And the church members don't even know I left town. Wow. Well, that's you're still honoring God. You're you're doing your 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 business, but you're still uh, giving God glory and and making Him a priority. Yeah, and the airplane, and we and we donate our time as pastors and our salary pastors. So I give my time as a pastor, but I still hit the road to make my living as a musician. And uh, the airplanes allow me to just continue to do everything and be where he called me to be. And it's just like if you live in Atlanta and you're sitting at the traffic an hour and a half one way to get to work and come back. That's three hours. And usually what it takes me uh, round trip to do an uh, to do a, to go do a concert. I'm just doing my my I just spend my hour and a half in the air instead of in traffic. Wow. Well, that's phenomenal. I I commend you. I know that. Uh, First Lady Jewel, Dr. Jewel, tell her I said hello. Um, you all minister together, and I think that's pretty awesome. Um, they're online for anybody that wants to watch them. Uh, your Central Standard Time, correct? Right, and our church is DestinyCenterTN.com. He is in November. DestinyCenterTN.com. And uh, we have services on Sundays at, at uh, 1030. And then on Wednesdays at seven, and uh, so if you're in the area, we'd love you to come by. We're open, you know. Uh, I figure if people going to the nightclub, going to the grocery store, going to the gym, they can come to church. It's 160 hours, 68 hours in a week. Uh, why not give God an hour? What is an hour on Wednesday and two hours on Sunday? You know, that's three. You still have 165 hours left to either continue winning or to continue losing. If if you were losing anyway, you want to be interrupted. <laughs> but winning, you want to stop and give God praise for all that winning that you're doing. So uh, we're open. So if you're out and about, come on by Destiny Center. If you're out of the zone, join us virtually. We'd love to have you. We got we got a lot of e members, people that call me their e pastor. Okay. Now speaking of the church and the family, you had a show on. And it was, let me, wait a minute, wait a minute, thicker than water. Bravo. Exactly. What's going on with that? The thicker than water, the, the, the tankards. Uh, we started in 2013. We had a three-season deal with Bravo. They came to us. They came to us. They saw me posting some stuff about the kids, me and the kids joking around on YouTube. So they approached us and said, we'd like to profile your family and follow you. Uh, uh, we think you have an interest, interesting story as a black Brady Bunch, as a blended family, wealthy family, grown kids still living at home, almost like a dynasty. And we want to see how y'all navigate all this because everybody ain't happy. Everybody ain't getting along. We want to see how y'all work this stuff out. So we did three seasons with Bravo, did great. And then we took a little break. And it was time to get back in negotiations. And Bravo is a is a drama network, you know. So we had kind of filtered through as much drama as we had as a family because we love each other. And I think I think we got too friendly for Bravo because uh, we wasn't going to do some of the things that you have to do to get to get renewed. You know, we're anchors. We're still a Christian family. We're not throwing water on each other. We're not cussing and fussing. And I'm not judging anybody that does that. But right. uh, I felt like this is just as good a time as any to do the Tyler Perry thing. Record it yourself. I'm rich enough to finance it myself. Okay. On, and then stream it on Amazon where all the rest of my stuff is anyway. Do, do it yourself. Yeah, do the Tyler Perry thing. So thank God for Tyler Perry for that inspiration. And we are in the middle of shooting it now. We shot all day. In fact, I was, thought I was going to be able to get them to come down here. 
But everybody is just knocked out. We've been shooting pictures all day. Go to Facebook. You see some of the pictures from the, we did a photo shoot today for the for the show, and they they just kind of knocked out right now. So um, I, okay. I'm excited to have this director's hat on, uh, the executive producer. We have creative control. We don't have to worry thing, worry about things getting out of hand. You know, when things were with Bravo, if we said something that we didn't like, and we said, "Oh, hey guys, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, don't air that." That'll be the very thing that they air. Because you don't have creative control. But Correct. when you you know, you can control what people see and don't, and you can keep that close-knit family. There is some drama in the family, but we're not driven by drama. We're driven by resolution and love because we love each other. I love it. That is so awesome. And so um, congratulations on your uh, product producing and uh, this show that's coming up. And I look forward to seeing it. Uh, it. Will it be on Bravo still? No, we're actually on the Amazon uh, Prime Network. Everybody's streaming anyway uh, because yeah. very few people are gathering around the TV at the same time like they used to uh, to watch the show. People kind of watch it on demand. So we decided to go with the Amazon and Tubi, right? There's a new free network called Tubi. So Tubi and Amazon. And then watch your local listings because through syndication, it could still end up on Bravo E. Uh, VH1, any of those stations that want to air, but that's by their choice. Okay. Well, congratulations to you and the family for coming back. Uh, we, we look forward to... Grandkids this time. You got some grandkids this time. got six grandkids. Oh, my goodness. Now, you just had one graduate, right, from high school? Yeah. Uh, my, my baby, uh, my oldest grandbaby, Diamond, graduated from high school, and uh, we're excited about her. She's going to college at Tennessee State University, and we've got five little grandkids that are just kind of bubbling all over the place. Marcus and Kish are moving to Houston, so that's a big storyline because, you know, we're Niagara Falls about that. Have you lost your mind? Why are you taking my grandbabies away from me? We don't have the right to take my grandkids. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I look forward to watching uh, the series, and I know it's going to be good. I know that you and you all love each other. You can see that um, with the interaction um, on the show and on Sundays. So um, one thing I want to talk to you about and share with the people, because I don't know that people know you're an author. Two books now. Um, first book was called Faith. It till you make it. We've heard okay. faith, F-A-K-I-N-G, but I'm talking faith, F-A-I-T-H. And the acronym for faith is finding answers in trusting him. Mm -hmm. Finding answers in trusting him or um, forsaking all in trusting him. Finding answers in the heavens. You know, so there's all kinds of acronyms for the word uh, of, of faith. And so I wrote this book called um, uh, faith until you make it and then I followed it up with this book called the full tank life the full okay. tank life and uh, you know we've all been driving in a car and uh, the the low fuel light came on <laughs> boy when that low fuel light come on that changed your life that changed your drive that changed your ride because you was alright till you saw that low fuel light on you know so some people when they see that low fuel light um, they speed up because they want to hurry up and outrun the gas. You can't outrun gas. You can't do that. <laughs> and then the group B, they want to slow down because they want to make cut the air conditioning off and, and, and slow down and try to stretch the gas. You can't stretch gas either. <laughs> you can't stretch gas. <laughs> oh my goodness, it is what it is. I'm part of group C. Group C pulls over and gets a full tank. And so... Uh, you know, this book talks about how to have a full tank, extra energy, extra resource, extra anointing for every area in your life. The more than enough life is what it's talking about. Okay. So these are the books that everyone can look at and uh, you can go to Amazon to uh, purchase these books uh, by Penn, uh, Ben Tankard. is a uh, full tank life and uh, faith it till you make it. I love it. And then I found something else. The personal, your, uh, my personal journal, Destiny. Yeah. Is that a, a book or is that just a journal? 
You know, that that is almost like a checkbook registry. Mm-hmm. It, I call it my personal seed time and harvest journal. People believe in sowing seed. We hear about that at offering time all the time. They believe in sowing seed, but very few people document the seeds that they sow and the seeds that they reap in a registry like a checkbook registry. And so I'm like, if you're going to be a responsible sower, then you need to have a record of everything that you sow. I sow every single day. Some way, shape, or form, I give money away. And when I do that, I write it down. And then whenever I receive money, I write it down so I can I can say, God, you know, you promised me 30, 60, and 100 fold. So if I got this registry, I can actually calculate how much I have in my heavenly account. So when I get ready to make a withdrawal, I know it's there. That is amazing right there. Like, I had never even thought about that. But yes, I will do better. That's, thank you. Because <laughs> yeah, you would never go to a bank, Tammy. And go to the through the drive-through window, or walk inside and say, "Hey, um, uh, I'm here to make a withdrawal." And and and, and you say something like, "Um, uh, well, uh, just give me enough to meet my needs, sir. Where's your account number? Well, well, well you, you know, you know my account number, sir. How much do you have in your account? Well, well, you know what I need. You end up in jail. You would never do that. Just give me enough to meet my needs. Then lock you up. So if you're responsible to know your balance." Know your count number, actually write a check, make a withdrawal, have faith that it's in there, and have and make the withdrawal. If you do that physically with your bank account, why won't you do that spiritually with the seeds that you sow every single week at church or every day in your life? Seed time and harvest. We're going to take that thing and keep that in the heart and move with that. Thank you for that piece. So I'm going to ask that you would. Uh, just address the people. And if you would, just give an encouraging word and then I'll come back. Uh, for everyone that's watching tonight, I think you're watching for a reason. You know, if, if we were uh, on an elevator and um, uh, I tell this story all the time uh, because uh, one time I was doing a concert somewhere and I flew my plane, I think it was South Carolina. And um, we ran into some bad weather. So we had Circled the city several times before we landed, and um, it threw me off my schedule. And so when I got to the hotel, normally we try to get to the hotel three or four hours before the concert so I can go up, get a shower, rest, get a meal, and just meditate so I can get myself together for the concert. And soundcheck usually is about an hour before the concert. But this night, I got to the hotel. It was like 15 minutes before the concert even started. So I had zero time. And so I'm on, I know I got to get up into this a hotel room and I got to change and you know and they had got me a room on the top floor it's like the penthouse suite or something they really you know put the red carpet out anyway I I, I had had um, to get on the elevator and hurry up and get to my room and what happened was I was on the elevator alone and I was really really busy and I was really kind of stressed out because I didn't want to be late for the concert and I hit the button and uh, the door kept opening. And I, and I hit the button again uh, to go to my floor, and the door kept opening. And I said, and I got irritated. I said, "What is going on with this stupid elevator?" You know, since the time I was like, "What's going on with this stupid elevator?" And uh, it just kept opening. And I hit the button, and I said it again: "This stupid elevator. What is? I got to get to my concert. I need to get to my hotel. I need to go up. What is going on with this stupid elevator?" And then I looked down and I realized that the elevator really was not that stupid. <laughs> I was pushing the button for the floor that I was on. <laughs> so I'm on the first floor. As long as I hit the button for the first floor, doors would open for the first floor. But I needed to go to the top floor. So I needed to hit the button for where I was going, not where I was. So the story in that is that hitting a button in the elevator is, is like you speaking over your life. Because I believe your future 
only hears your voice. So if you're not saying or speaking to your future, then your future is not responding. Or if you are speaking where you are, like, how you doing, man? Man, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just a squirrel in your world trying to get a nut, bruh. Man, if I had you hanging, I'd throw my hand, and you know I ain't doing nothing. I'm broken than a jailbird. Let me hold up something, brother. So if you speak that, and that's where you are, then doors continue to open for where you are. But if you want to go beyond that existence, you want to be fruitful in your life, you want to grow, get better in every area, better health, better relationships, more money in the bank, more businesses, more homes, more uh, buildings that to, to, to do ministry, airplane, whatever it is in your, you know what your dream board looks like if you have one. You got to hit the button. You got to touch those areas. You got to touch those areas. I call it a vision board. You got to have the vision board. Right here, I have a vision board that I keep. Uh, it's kind of a cardboard situation, uh, kind of made out of hardwood. I get it. It's a place called uh, can the, the canvas.com. Uh, canvaschamp.com and you can just upload your pictures and uh, your dream board uh, like on my vision board I have the, on the top row I have those lists of people that really inspire me like you know, my friend Joe Osteen, Preflo Dollar uh, um, uh, we have um, Rick Lake my spiritual father, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, Bill Winston, these are like my mentors so the top of the row I have the people who uh, really inspire me, who I want to be like when I grow up. And uh, it's almost like Elijah said, uh, Lord, if you can just give me a, a portion of Elijah. Elijah said, if I can just get a portion of Elijah's spirit, a double portion of the spirit, I can create my own destiny. You know, so I just want a double portion of this spirit. Then on this, on this second line is uh, my ministry focus. You know, how many e-members we want to have, how many church members we want to have, how many concerts I want to do. The third row, uh, it shows uh, I want to do another gold record. You know, I want uh, concerts and festivals and stuff. You know, and so it targets my faith. The bottom row is material, you know, the next plane, my homes and stuff. You know, I got four homes. Uh, I'm believing to pay those homes off. I paid two of them off. I'm going to pay the rest of them off. You know, so I'm interested in having the title, not just the mortgage statement. You know, so this is a vision board that I keep in front of me and it helps me target my faith. You know, I keep it in my, on my iPad, I keep it on in my cell phone. I have it plastered in different rooms. Even this room down here, it's a, it's a mural on the wall of a jet. This room that I'm in, this is my man cave, you know. Uh, over here in the corner, um, that back there is a flight simulator. So even when I'm at the airport flying, if I'm here at home, I'm practicing where I'm going. The flight simulator allows you to uh, fly here at home and practice it and meditate and practice those maneuvers. And so you should do that in your own life where you meditate on the word, take a scripture, take a vision and meditate on it, think about it. And God gives you permission to act it out in the privacy of your home called meditating day and night. He gives you permission to do that before you do it in real life. And so uh, if I was on the elevator and I had 29 seconds to wrap it up before I got out the elevator and had an elevator pitch to tell you, and I could only tell you one thing before I got the elevator, it would be don't begin your day with your cell phone. Begin your day with prayer and praise and let God download in your life your destiny, and things will stop happening to you and start happening for you. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. My name is Ben Tankard, and I approve this message. I approve this message. I thank you so much. That I'm speechless right now. I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's get this thing done. So <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Ben, for joining us tonight. Um, I know that I was truly blessed. I, I have notes here um, <laughs> that I'm taking with me tonight. And if you don't mind, I'm going to say, Pastor Tankard, can you pray us out tonight? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for Minister Tammy and her uh, awesome husband and her awesome team and this awesome ministry uh, opportunity they've given us to share with this great audience. Lord, everyone under the sign of my voice, uh, we speak to them. And we call them quick, we call them sharp, 
We call them gifted. We call them smart. We call them good looking, healthy, wealthy, and wise, very rich, very powerful, and empowered to be a blessing to somebody else. Lord, we bless them right now. Amen. 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 Who are, uh, what artists do you really enjoy working with? Oh, I, I always like working with uh, Gerald Albright and, um, uh, you know, uh, people like Boney James and Paul Jackson Jr. Uh, I had the pleasure to work with Fred Hammer, one of my favorite gospel artists. What a powerful, powerful worshiper, uh, probably the most powerful worshipers of our time. And so uh, I want to encourage those of you who are thinking about getting into to music. Uh, the, the market has changed so much that you don't have to do a full record to justify going into music. You can just do one, two, or three songs. People are going to going to go on the iTunes and Amazon, and uh, they're going to sample it, and they're going to listen to it and see if they want to buy it anyway. So you don't have to do 10 songs. The market is kind of going back to when I was a kid. They used to do little 45s instead of the whole album, and they had a song on each side. So the market is a thankless market. So... That's good for you. You don't have to wait on a record company to discover you. Just do it with the resource that you have. Everybody has local musicians with home studios. Do what you can while you can. Get it uploaded. Do what you can. And you get more money, do it again. Stop waiting to be discovered and minister where you are and watch God do what he needs to do in your life. Wow. Be yourself. Be yourself. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just throw up some applause for Ben Tankert for uh, gracing us with his presence. And so, Ben, thank you again. I will say I'm going to speak where I want to be because that's what I learned tonight. And so we'll connect on another uh, venture, you know, so <laughs> we can do something else. Did you hear Ben Tanker, that was so phenomenal. You, you're going to have to go back because he spoke some things about sewing, like a checkbook, like balancing. So you will sew, you will put that in there and then track how the Lord returns on that investment. We don't think like that. Why not? Because we haven't taught that, right? So it's okay. You got it tonight, right? He spoke a lot about a lot of different things about his life coming up. And, you know, I'm stuck on, you know, the pastor praying for him, touching him on his head, telling him, go get on the piano. And instantly he's playing jazz, had never played a piano before. Don't tell me my God is not amazing. I mean, really, we see that in the movies, right? download the information, person can instantly do whatever it is that has been downloaded. That's what happened to him. And then he starts this Bible study and now he has a church, it's been 20 years. He has been an instrument for God. He's an instrumentalist, but he's an instrument that has been used by God and has been bringing uh, people to Christ. He's been lifting up the Lord and the Lord has been drawing the people in. Oh, I am excited. This is Joyce Logan, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. Come back soon for more good gospel gossip. Until next time, goodbye, everyone.